Amen. Please remain standing if you're able, and let's turn to God's Word once again. Psalm 90. Psalm 90, page 496, I believe, in the Blue Bible. Let's hear God's word. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. Or as a watch in the night, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes, and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers, for we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. We have set our in, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. Well, New Year's is a time that gets people in a reflective mood. Uh, so it's appropriate to have a, a separate sermon for this uh, time of the year. Uh, this is a time where we start to think about 
the past, and about the future. Uh, maybe you're thinking uh, already about uh, how you'd like to make some good new changes in your life uh, in the year ahead. Many people think about that at this time of year. Uh, and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing to do. It's good for us as Christians to think about those things as well. Uh, we uh, are always wanting to um, do better and live a life that's more uh, honoring to the Lord. Um, we also want to reflect on the past as well as the future. The Bible has a lot to say to us about that, about remembering the past and about looking to the future. Uh, we've read some scriptures pertaining to those things today, uh, things that point us to think about time and eternity. Uh, I wanted to pick up on that theme today and look at this psalm together uh, just a little bit. We'll only have a time to uh, look at part of it today. Just some of the highlights. Verse 12 seems to be the, the apex of the, the psalm. Uh, sort of the climax of Psalm 90 with that little line that's so well known, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And we need to be taught to do this, to number our days. It's not our natural uh, tendency. Man's natural tendency is to do the opposite, to not number his days to not think about the limited number of his days and to not have a heart of wisdom about life and eternity. He doesn't want to think about those things. The natural man does not. He doesn't want to think about the brevity of life and the reality of death. He wants to avoid thinking about those things if at all possible. He prefers to think happy thoughts. Right? We do. <laughs> I think we all we want to be happy. We don't want to think thoughts that make us unhappy. Uh, but we need to think about truth as it comes to us in God's Word. Uh, to just think about the things we want to think about is a little bit like a child who only wants to eat the things that taste good. We've got a lot of candy in our house right now, and it tastes better to eat the candy, to eat those chocolate truffles, than it does to eat... Uh, the salad, or uh, green beans, or asparagus. We don't, we don't necessarily want to eat the things that are going to be good for us. Hopefully when we grow up, we begin to do that a little more. And we develop a taste for those things as well, don't we? Maybe not for asparagus, at least not in my case. But we... We like to think those pleasant thoughts. We like to think man in general wants to think that everything's okay. He's safe. He's secure in this life. When we're young, we definitely think that way. We think about uh, ourselves as if nothing can really hurt us. We can do things on a bicycle that uh, uh, no uh, person with any sense would do. 
uh, as a young person. I think about the ramps, the kind of ramps we built as kids, the, the kinds of uh, um, just crazy things we did with BMX bikes. I'm, I'm, st I'm hurting still because of the things that we did as kids. Crashes, so many crashes. I go to the chiropractor and he's like, what happened to you? <laughs> and I have to think, oh, it was probably those BMX bike crashes uh, in my younger years. We think we're indestructible when we're young. I think nothing can hurt you. You think you've got all the time in the world ahead of you. And it's easy to just think about this life. Naturally, that's what we do. We just focus on this life, this world, the things that we want in this life. Uh, we don't like to think about the end of this life. We don't like to go to funerals, especially when we're younger. Um, I don't know that we ever like to go to funerals. We don't like to think about what comes after death. The natural man doesn't want to think about these things. Eternity. But to think that way, to only focus on the things that are pleasing to one's mind, uh, that's the opposite of that heart of wisdom that Moses is talking about here. It's really folly to avoid thinking about the things that we must think about. It's foolishness. As Christians, we, we should think about these things. I was flipping through a, a book of sermons um, that I have by an old uh, minister, Samuel Davies, who was um, a, a Presbyterian minister, and he was the president of Princeton Seminary, back when Princeton Seminary was actually a godly institution. It's wild to think of uh, uh, one of those uh, Ivy League institutions being so, um, so uh, godly and standing for the Christian faith. Uh, Davies followed Jonathan Edwards as the president there. And among his sermons is one that he preached on the occasion of the new year, and his text was from Jeremiah 28, verse 16. This year thou shalt die. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die. I don't imagine that that's a popular text for New Year's sermons. But maybe it should be. Uh, in line with what Moses is telling us here in Psalm 90. Um, it's a very important practical truth for us to think about, not that you're going to die this year, but that you could. You very well could, even you young people. And that's Davy's point in choosing that verse. He wanted to stress the reality of death, the brevity of of life, the uncertainty of this life. I think things were a lot more uncertain back in those days, and many uh, children died at a young age. Many died at birth. And uh, I think in our day with uh, modern medicine and uh, uh, the way things are now, we don't see that kind of, uh, that kind of sober-mindedness in people about um, death and the need to live in, in light of eternity because it's coming for us all. 
Well, that's the message of Psalm 90. And the opening verses really put the focus right where it needs to be and where our focus needs to be, and that is on knowing the Lord. Knowing the Lord as our Savior. That's how we really get a heart of wisdom to live this life as we ought to and to be prepared for the next life, for eternity. Psalm 90 was written by Moses uh, during uh, the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness for the Israelites. That was a time of uh, great trial for Israel, as you recall. 40 years of suffering, 40 years of God's judgment. They were wandering outside the promised land when they could have been in the promised land, enjoying that inheritance, enjoying what God had promised to give them. But they refused to believe that God could bring them into that land and defeat their enemies and to protect them. And because of their unbelief, God judged them with this temporal judgment. And that whole generation wandered about in the wilderness for those 40 years. And that was a long time for them to think about it, to think about their actions, to think about their sin. That whole generation, none of them made it into the promised land. Think about all those funerals over 40 years. All those people who could have been enjoying the land of milk and honey. But instead they died shut out of those blessings. And it would be their children who went in to that inheritance. So that's the setting when Psalm 90 was written. It was a sad time. It was a time to reflect on what it means to be wise. The people had not acted wisely, and so now they were forced to live with the consequences for all that time, for all those years, for four decades. But even as they were living with those consequences and, and uh, enduring those sufferings, Moses wanted them to grow in wisdom as God's people. He wanted them to, them to think rightly. He wanted them to live wisely and teach their uh, families and their children to do so. And God wants that for his people in every age. He wants us to live in light of eternity. And he wants us, above all, to live for him. And that's what he points us to right away in the opening verses. He writes, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Right up front, he puts the focus where it needs to be. He puts our thoughts where they need to be. Wisdom doesn't start with thinking about yourself and your wants and your needs. 
That's how the natural man, the unregenerate man, the, the, the spiritually dead man thinks. He's only thinking about himself. He's very self-centered. But wisdom from God begins with a focus on God. It's a mind and a life centered on God. And learning to live in light of who he is and what he's done for us and our relationship with him. That's wisdom. And this psalm helps us with that. It focuses our attention. Um, of course, it focuses on several of God's attributes. The first is his eternity. That's highlighted here. God is eternal. He is without beginning, without end. And that's glorious to think about. But Moses doesn't spend a lot of time here doing a, a, a great big systematic theology study of this attribute of God. Now he speaks, I think, in a very practical way, in a very personal way, in a way that's very relevant to us as God's people. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Our dwelling place. Think about that. What is a dwelling place? Well, it's your home. A dwelling place is a home. And your home is a very special place, isn't it? It's a good place. It's a place that uh, um, no doubt you enjoy. You enjoy being there. It's a place where you live and you feel safe and uh, hopefully you feel comfortable and Martha Stewart doesn't live there and have everything so perfectly that you can't be comfortable there you can relax in your home you have peace you can enjoy it not that it has to be a, a pig pen or anything but it's peaceful it's a comfortable place it's your refuge your home is the place where you can kick your shoes off and and have a real level of comfort. You go home, uh, you take your um, outside shoes off, maybe put some more comfortable clothes on, and after a long, hard day of whatever you're doing out and about, it feels so good to come home where you can rest, where you can have peace. And Moses takes that idea of the home, our dwelling place, and he says, God is your real home. God is your dwelling place. And part of having a, a heart of wisdom is, is learning this. We need to realize that this world is not our home. Uh, even our physical homes are not our real home. Our, our lives here on earth, our material possessions, the things that we have, the things that we want to have, um, that's not where true abundant life is found. That's not what it consists of. The eternal God is our home, and He's our refuge, and He's our shelter. We live with him in his presence. 
and with him living in us. We're his temple. He dwells within us. His wonderful spirit dwells in us and unites us to him. And we're only safe if we have that saving relationship with him. We dwell in him. We sought refuge in his son. And this life is so fragile. And we see so many people dying now just without warning. We hear about people just falling over and dying instantly without any, any warning at all, even young people dying like that. Life can just change so suddenly like that and end so quickly. But the good news is that God never changes. This God who is our dwelling place, he never ends. He never had a beginning nor will he ever have an end. Everything in the world will end. Everything in this creation that we could try to make ourselves comfortable with and, and try to uh, make our home here with, those things are all fleeting. They're all passing away. But God is not. God is everlasting. And so is our relationship with him in Christ. So to dwell with him is the only safe and secure place for us to be. He is the source of our safety and our eternal security, our dwelling place. In verse 2, Moses expresses God's eternity this way. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before anything ever existed that now exists, the things around us, the created things. You look up in the, the sky. I looked up this morning, I still see the moon. The earth, the stars, the sun. Before any of those things existed, and they did have a beginning. Before they came into being, God always was. He has no beginning. Carl Sagan, that famous line, he said, the cosmos is all that is or was or ever will be. He was so wrong. You know, he knows better now. He's gone to eternity. God is all that ever was. And then he made everything else that is. And he made us. And he made us to be his, his people. His people who know him and dwell with him and depend upon him and love him. That's the life of wisdom that he made us for. And the wonder of it all is, is this. Even though man is fallen and we've run far away from God and man is dying and decaying and wasting away, 
still God wants us. And he invites us to come home, to come back home to him, to have him as our home. He wants us with him. He wants us to be at home with him. Isn't that good? Isn't that good news? That is his heart toward us. We're like the grass that withers and the flower that fades. Our lives are literally withering away. We're getting old. Our eyesight's growing dim. Bodies falling apart. We'll die before we know it. Time goes so quickly. It's crazy. And people try to make the best of this bad situation. They try to remedy this and the, the angst that it brings them by just trying to make the best of it, trying to put on makeup, trying to get, a, get on a, a, a new diet, get, get medicine, get a gym membership. All kinds of things that we do. And these are, all, these are, these are good things. But Moses reminds us that man's real problem is not physical things like that. It's not how we look. It's not how we feel. It's that we've been away from home for too long. We've been away from our true home. That's the situation with men and women in the world. All prodigal sons and daughters who've run from home. We've been away from our real home, our real dwelling place, who is our eternal God. So many things are uncertain in life, but some things are certain. And this much is certain. This life is crumbling away for all of us. And it will end. And it will end in judgment and eternal punishment for everyone who refuses to come home to the Lord. But this is also certain, just as certain. God has a wonderful, loving, welcome home for us and for everyone who will return to him through his son, through faith in Jesus Christ. This God's arms are wide open for the worst of sinners who are willing to turn and return to him through faith in Jesus. And that's what he's saying through the gospel. Return to me. Come home. Come to your real home where you belong, where you're wanted, where you're loved. And his son has opened that way for us to come home to him. In fact, he is the way. Jesus is the way. Home to our Father in heaven. And when we take refuge in him by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ, he comes to make his home in us. He comes to dwell within us by his spirit. Isn't that wonderful? 
That's the teaching of Scripture. He makes His home in us, in our hearts. And with Him in us and us dwelling with Him and with the Father through the Holy Spirit and that reconciliation, we have real safety. We have eternal security and peace. And God will never cast us out of His presence. So I have no idea what the next year is going to hold for me or for you. But if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can know that everything will be okay. It really will be. God will always hold you safe and securely in his omnipotent hand, and he will never let you go. And that's all that really matters. So many things change in this life, but he never changes. And his steadfast love for his people never changes, never ends. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this beautiful image that you give us of yourself. You are our home. We praise you for making yourself known to us so kindly, so graciously in your word. We're so prone to think that you uh, are appalled by us, that you don't love us because we know that we're so sinful. And yet, over and over in your word, you show us these wonderful um, truths about yourself and your kindness and your graciousness and your great, great love for us. And that is what we need above all else. We need you, Lord. Um, don't let us be distracted by the things of this world, uh, even the good things, the many blessings that we have from your hand, uh, because you are the greatest blessing of all. And we have everything, if only we have you. We thank you so much for welcoming us home to your loving presence forever through your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.